What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Sunday, November 10th, 2013. You guys listened to episode 135. Uh, I am sitting right now. It is um, 11.58 p.m., and I am two minutes away from my official birthday and uh, I am spending it with you guys. That's right. You guys will be the first people that I am with here. Uh, everybody is sleeping. Tomorrow is my birthday, technically two minutes, and uh, I am here doing the show. Uh, I wanted to do it on Sunday night, and I know that if I did not do it tonight, I have so much stuff coming up, and I'm, in about, I'm, I'm about to get really, really busy. So uh, here we are, episode 135. I got a great episode. I'm coming off and, and absolutely... Um, incredible and um you know i mean i don't want to go too big with this but probably one of the biggest um weekends of my career uh and and something which was amazing i'm sure you could hear in my voice um that it it, you know um i'm not gonna say i'm run down but it's been nuts and uh it's been a lot, but i i got a lot of stuff to talk about i'm glad you guys are here with me and now we are a minute away from my birthday. So sit back, relax. I got a lot of stuff to talk about and uh, I hope you enjoy this uh, wherever you are and I will have this up uh, tonight so you'll be able to listen to this tomorrow at work starting on Monday. Um, First of all, I just want to say I had an incredible uh, week uh, not only uh, with Bill Burr, which was in D.C., New York, and Philly, which I'm going to get into, um, tell you guys all about it. It was incredible, but also the night before that, and uh, it, it's just been nuts. So uh, hope everybody is doing well. Sit back, relax, and let's get let's get to this. Uh, all right, well, first of all, uh, oh, it is my birthday, everybody, right now, as we speak. It is my birthday, uh, and... Uh, Whatever, birthdays are weird. I'll talk about birthdays after, but um, it's officially my birthday. Uh, I was born, I think, on a Tuesday. Not that that matters. I was born on a Tuesday in uh, 1978. I am 35 years old right now. Kind of freaks me out. I don't like the birthdays that have the five years. You know, I don't, I don't like, I didn't like 25, but I didn't mind up to 30. Then 30 was weird. I didn't mind up till 35, but up until a minute ago, I was okay. 35, but I'll be cool up until 40 now. So, um, and I appreciate the early birthday wishes, but I want to get into the weekend. Um, and actually the, um, Wednesday night before I went on this run, I was at the Stress Factory with the hilarious Al Madrigal from the uh, Daily Show, and we had an amazing night. It really was awesome. It was a a Wednesday, and it started out, looked like it was going to be a light crowd, but by the time the the show started, it was awesome, and uh, the amazing thing was I was able to do a ton of new bits. I had a great time, and we shot for the documentary uh, film that I'm, I'm doing about, you know, comedians with kids and all the, you know, you guys have heard about it, all the, all the stuff about like what it's like to have the balance of a personal life and a family, but doing stand up and, and really trying to make it work when they say that it's too hard and, you know, or, or that it's just such an obstacle. And, you know, this is showing the side of how, how it works and how great comedians and, and, and great careers in this business have, um, not only been able to take place with a family, but have even gotten better with a family. And we had a great show. Madrigal was great. You guys will see it in the movie. It was awesome. 
And, you know, we had such a good time. I want to thank uh, my buddy, my good friend, uh, Tom Lewis, man, who is, um, he's, he's a true friend and, uh, he's a friend beyond doing any projects together. I, I love that guy. He's awesome. He's a funny comedian, uh, from the Massachusetts area. He's shooting the documentary with me. He's a great business partner. He's, he's just awesome and nothing but a pleasure all the time. So if you see that guy on a bill, go out and see him. He's funny. He's fucking smart. And Thomas is funny because he's one of those guys that knows everything about everything. You could just drive through a city and be like, look at that rundown building. And he'll be like, well, actually, Paul, in uh, 1851, this guy named Charles Hayes built that building. And then his father did crack and then they just left it there and it's still there. And you're like, how the fuck do you know that, Tom? But (laughs) anyway, um, so... Uh, Tom, if you're listening, man, thanks for the great work. Thanks for the great hang, which is which is more important. And I'm glad you got uh, you know time to come over and see the new house and, and come back. So we had a great time there at the Stress Factory. And then um, after shooting everything, we got home and then started Thursday. Now um, I was opening for the uh, great Bill Burr, um, who you guys know me and Bill are real close. And Bill has been somebody who has. Um, really, you know, just believed in me, looked out for me, put me on and, and has really watched my career, you know, um, you know, grow and, and been there, you know, which has been just priceless and amazing. And, um, we had, you know, like I've said before, Bill and I have worked together many times, but, um, Never like this year because he's a West Coast guy. I'm out here in New York, so we we try to do it when we can. But we did the tour this year, and uh, we finished up in D.C., Philly, and I mean D.C., New York, and Philly. Now Thursday, we went down. We drove down together to Washington D.C. to Constitution Hall. Uh, for you people that don't know, Constitution Hall is a legendary, I mean, it's legendary, it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful building venue, the inside is crazy, it seats about 3,500 people, and um, it is where Eddie Murphy did Delirious, I believe at 21 years old when he had the, the reddish-orange leather suit on, um, it's a legendary hour of comedy, he did that at Constitution Hall, and I didn't realize, but when I walked in it, because we walked in early, and I had posted a picture on Twitter when I saw it, but when I, I didn't realize, but when I walked in, that is where Chris Rock shot Never Scared, which was another great hour, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, because I, and if you guys know me, and you've heard the show, Eddie Murphy is a big reason I do comedy, and Chris Rock is right there. He's one of my heroes. So to be on that stage, and it was just me and Bill that night, and the place was, you know, sold out, or, you know, or right about sold out. I mean, I, I think it was sold out. It was insane. Uh, we did a show there, and it was it was great. You know, 3,500 people. We had a great time. And just walking out there, the the crowd was warm and and into it, and and it was it was awesome, and it was so cool because I was just doing new material, uh, not like I mean I wasn't like doing open mic new shit, just testing shit that would be ridiculous at that venue, but I was doing stuff that I've only done a couple of times and stuff that was really fairly new to me, and we had a great time. We uh, it, w- it was funny because Bill went back to the room and we had to do some stuff before the show. Uh, Bill was selling this poster, his poster of the tour, and we dropped that off at Constitution Hall, went back to the hotel, 
And then I realized I didn't bring the right shirt. I brought two, uh, I brought one pair of sneakers, like the black pair of sneakers. Because this is the thing, comedians and, and, and shoes and sneakers, you got to have the right shoes to match the right outfit when you're on stage. So I had a pair that I like to wear on stage, but I also had a brand new pair fresh out of the box, which was a different color. And I, I, I just felt like for the sneakers I had, I thought I had the right shirt. And then when I got the shirt out, I looked at it and I'm like, this isn't how I want to look. So I walked from the hotel. We were at the W Hotel. I walked from the W to Macy's and I was looking for a shirt and they must have thought I was going to steal shit because I was walking around looking at racks, then walking away, then going back to the rack, looking at it. And uh, I, the people, like the cameras somewhere, some security guard was looking going, this guy is like doing the typical, I think like thief, you know, thing or you know when somebody's going to steal something where you walk and you're looking around you're trying to see if somebody's looking I must have looked like somebody that was going to something looking at it and then realizing a worker was there so I couldn't steal it that's what I looked at but what I was doing was I was trying to find the right color so finally somebody asked can I help you and I said what I was looking for and they brought me somewhere and they didn't have it either and then I finally spotted something so I bought this shirt I walked back by the time all the shit was done it was almost time to go I realized I hadn't eaten. I needed to eat because the last thing I want to do is be a Constitution Hall and be fucking lightheaded and out of it. So I managed to grab, <laughs> I managed to grab a shirt, get to the venue early, grab a quick bite. We do the show, and the show is great. Um, we woke up in the morning, grabbed a quick bite, got gas, came back, and then we had the big night in New York City. Now um, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. You got you guys know I give it to you 100% real. And um the Beacon Theater on um Friday night was uh was I've never ha- I've never had a, two different feelings in the same night. It was amazing, it was stressful, it was exhausting, and then it was the greatest night of my comedy career. What happened was we um we get to the venue, uh, the first show was at 7.30, the second show was at 10, and, you know, being in New York, so many people, you know, friends and, you know, and, and family are texting you, hey, man, you know, can I get back, can I get backstage, can I get in the green room, and, you know, the Beacon is one of the biggest venues in New York, it was for the New York Comedy Festival, and, you know, it's sponsored by, like, United Airlines and fucking JetBlue, and, you know, all, just, all, it's just huge, and, and Comedy Central, so, um, you know, I knew that I had people going to, to different shows, and that's fine. That could be kind of, you know, stressful, but whatever. Um, so I get there, and, you know, me and Bill, it was we were supposed to do a, a three-man show. It ended up only being a two-man show, and it was me and Bill. Excuse me while I sip my seltzer here. Uh, so I want to give you guys a rundown of this whole weekend, which will explain... Just how nuts and exhausted it is. And you guys, listen, I'm not asking you guys to give me credit for doing this shit right now because you, I could have done this anytime. I needed to do this now. I wanted to do this. You need me on that wall. Where was it? You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. That was uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson from uh, A Few Good Men. Anyway, so um, 
we get to the venue and I was really, this night was really cool because, but here's how tiring it was. We got back from DC to New York City at three. The show at the Beacon was at 7.30, but we wanted, we needed to be there at 6.30. So I have like three hours and my wife was at home and the kids were getting a sitter and my wife was coming and I had to drive from New York City up to get my wife picked her up got her and by the time me and her got back and I had to stop and get my son a daycare at five and then I met my wife with the babysitter at my son's daycare and then went went down to the city so we got to the venue like probably right on time and when we got to the beacon it was just a huge line of people outside and you know they had you know told me you know the the, the performers and artists go around to the side on 75th street and you go into the side entrance so my wife and I we walk in there and uh really cool like they have it's it's an old theater it's like 19 all these theaters and I didn't realize but all these theaters I ask you know whenever I'm in a theater I ask when it was built. I just want to know. And all of them are pretty much 1927, 1928, right before the Depression. It, was fun. it almost makes you think that's why there was a Depression. Everybody just throws up a fucking amazing venue and then the country's broke. But uh, so my wife and I, uh, there was like seven floors. So they're like, oh, you know, uh, Mr. Burr is on this floor. Uh, Mr. Verzi, you go up. Uh, you're on the fourth floor. That's where your green room is. So we go up there, and they have the whole shit nice, man. I got my whole room, and, and my wife is with me. And it, it's nice because my wife doesn't get to travel with me or be with me, you know, through a lot of things. But, you know, she really wanted to be to this one. This was a big one. This was a special one, especially in New York City. Like, other than Carnegie Hall, this is the venue. So... She's with me and I'm, I'm hanging out and the guy, the guy who runs it was like, hey man, listen, we're going 7.30, you know, we got to go 7.30 because there's two shows so we got to get the people out. Now, that kind of sucks because um, not like not everybody's settled in and I'm like, fuck, you know, there's going to be people filing into this thing. But, you know, that's just the way it works, the logistics of it. It's nothing personal. It's the logistics of it. It's a two-man show, so I got to get out there. I got to do my thing. I got to get the crowd warmed up, but I know people are going to be coming in. Now, a lot of times, you know, Burr, being the gentleman that he is, he's always like, no, I want everybody settled in. I don't want it to be commotion. I want to just have the show be be great from the beginning. But this time, it had to be like, hey, man, we're going to try to get everybody in, but if they're not, we just got to go. So I go out there on the first show. And, um, you know, people who are not, not, not into comedy probably aren't liking this, but the people who want to know the, the, the inside shit, you know, the, you, you'll like this. Um, so I'm backstage and like, it comes to like seven thirty, and I'm looking and like, I would say maybe the theater was like three quarters filled and people were just coming in the aisles and I go on stage and, um, I do my thing, you know, I get the crowd into it, the crowd's into it, you know, and, and it, you know, I, I start building the set and I start having a great time and, and, you know, and, you know, then it starts filling up and everything's going great and, and I, you know, I felt like I had a really good set. I, I did my thing, you know, um, I don't want to get into that. That's for the people to decide, but, you know, I do my set, I do my time and also my time was cut because we needed to, the show needed to be earlier and uh, to get out at a certain time and Bill needed to do his time and, and everything so uh, I do my thing uh, have a good time get off stage bring Bill up Bill does his thing you know Bill just crushes the room it was, it was great and when I got off stage you know um, 
my wife and my manager was there. Shout out to Dave Kimowitz. Dave Kimowitz was there. You know, your your managers and your representation are always there for the big ones. So they're there. And, you know, we were talking about it. And it was like, yeah, man, you know, great job. It was really good, this and that. And I was just like, they were like, what's bothering you? And they were like, that was great. Like, you did, you did such a good job. Like, what's bothering you? And I was like, man, I just know, like, I just, I wanted everyone to be there. You know, I wanted everybody, you know, I didn't want to go on for the first few minutes and have people filing in, you know. And then what happened was I go up to my dressing room and my manager said something like, you all right, man? You, you, you good? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm just like, I, I don't know. I just felt like. You know, I I I don't know. Like I I felt like there was something that needed I needed to do, and I didn't know, and I was just kind of fucking perturbed. And people were coming up saying nice job and stuff, but I just I was like, man, I just didn't feel like I got it off the way I wanted to get it off. Now that was the early show, and then uh, the ten o'clock show comes around, and the guy's like, hey man, we're waiting on this one, we're gonna wait till everybody's seated, and I go up into my, uh, my green room, and my, uh, my wife is sitting on the couch, and I'm just walking around up there, and she's like, you know, um, are you all right, babe, like, what's, what's going on, are you all right, and I was like, yeah, no, I'm all right, you know, and, um, I had a bunch of people coming to the second show, my mom and everything, and it's just an amazing venue, and we, you know, I think with the travel, and going to DC, and everything I did, and just leading up, I'm like, so much was just hitting me, and I had this new material, and I wanted to get it off. So something just happened, and I was just walking around, and I was just like, "Man, I'm gonna, I want to have fun right now." And um, I don't know, really, I don't know how to say this on the podcast. I, I want to be as honest and real with you guys as possible. So um, I'm gonna do that, but I, I don't know how to say this um, in a way which will come off as, you know. I, I just want to come off real right now, so I'm, I'm going to tell you guys from the heart 100% what happened. Fuck it, it's my birthday. I'm going to be real. Um, I went out. I went out on on the on the show, and and I, I it was amazing. And if I have to be 100% honest on the show, I've always been 100% honest on the show. I would say that it was the greatest set of my career. Um, I don't know what happened. It, I just went out there, and uh, it was a, an insane. I, I want to thank everybody seriously everybody even on the first show because the first show was great it's just I just didn't like that people were filing in and that that's that's my problem that's nobody else's problem but mine they're there to see Bill Burr and I get that but I just want I, I was just you know like fuck man like let's let's you know fucking I want to give these people you know and I want to open the show right for Bill and just have this good time so even though the first show was great and I had a good time this this one you know, they were waiting and I went out there and it was one of the most special moments of my career. And I really want to thank everybody. If you're listening to this and, you know, you're uh, you were in that crowd, man, that was just such a great, great time. You guys were great. And it was it was just so fun to um, to be a part of that. Like I remember being in Washington, D.C. at the improv years ago. And I remember thinking, man, this is like one of the best comedy crowds really into the jokes and everything. And the crowd at the beacon that night, it was, um, it was amazing. And it was so cool to have my wife on the side of the stage, right next to the curtain watching. My mom was out there. 
you know, uh, there's 2,800 people there and, um, it was just an amazing and amazing time. Um, and it was so cool and gratifying. I did three jokes that I've only done twice before on stage at the beacon and I just believed in them. I knew that it was real. I knew that the jokes were something that, that were real and funny in my heart. I committed to them and and it was great and it it was an amazing time. It, It was, um, just something that I, I don't even know how to describe, but I just want to say to anybody that was there, I appreciate you being there and sharing that moment with me. Um, and there was just a ton of people there that I was just, so, it was so, you know, and I'll be honest, having my wife there meant the world to me because, you know, that's what matters. You know, that's the, that's my wife. I love her to death as she's the mother of my kids. And, you know, so having my mother you know, who I almost lost to cancer and didn't know if she would ever be around even to see her grandkids. But for her to see me, um, you know, living this dream and, and, and being able to do that was, was so cool. And my wife right there. So, uh, I know the podcast is (laughs) not really funny yet. I'll get there, but I, I just wanted to, uh, to talk about it because, uh, there are certain moments in a comedian's career career that you're just like, wow, and uh, it was one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had and just putting so much effort and so much shit that I've been through this year and just getting up and, and doing all these things and driving in in the middle of the night and not being with my family because I got to go in and work out stuff. And I felt like it was just, you know, it, it, things just worked and, and it was awesome. So uh, and then we, afterwards, you know, I, I, again, the, the, the compliments and everything, it was just great. I, I don't want to sound like some fucking you know, gloating asshole here, but, uh, it was awesome. It was just fucking awesome. And I thank everybody for the kind Twitter, um, just the the kind stuff on Twitter and the messages and everything. If you were there, I hope every comedian who works hard and busts their ass has an opportunity. And I'm sure if you are working hard and bust your ass, you will have an opportunity to do that. And I want to thank, of course, Bill Burr, um, you know, who's my boy. I love him to death. And him putting me in that situation is, um, is is be I, there's nothing that I could even say other than it's extremely humbling and amazing. So the Beacon Theater uh 2013 is something that I will I will never forget and I will cherish forever. Um and we the next day we were exhausted and we're like holy shit. This has been an an, an insane roller coaster ride. Uh, we went out after the Beacon not much. I only had uh, I had one and a half drinks, everybody, one and a half, and it was just because the night was so amazing, and we all went to this kind of private divey bar because we didn't want to see people, and there was a ton of people, and it was kind of cool because it was kind of cool to get recognized on the street in front of my mom. My mom was like kind of blown away by it, but like this, the fans, and there were some people outside that were so cool, like, and part of the unacceptable is going to be assholes who don't get it so I'll, I'll get into that when I get to the unacceptable but one, one thing that was awesome was there were some people that genuinely wanted to just come up and shake your hand and instead of like they were like hey man great job like I'm a fan and stuff and that's cool but some people were like hey man congratulations on the new house good luck with your new baby and that was just really I was just like holy shit man like these people are good people and that's those those are the fans I want I don't want those asshole just fucking animals who should be in a cage, stupid for saying stupid shit. And I'm going to get to that after, but, um, those people, you know, and, and you know who you are. So 
it was it was awesome and 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 let me let me, let me tell you both shows were amazing 7:30 and 10 it's just i was glad everybody was in there for the 10 to to see it so we were so tired and then we have to go down to philadelphia the next day and we uh we took separate cards to this one we did the other ones. We drove to the other ones together, but Bill was leaving to go to L.A. I had to come up home because I was having uh, family over for my birthday today. So we took separate cars. We met down in Philly about an hour before the show started, and we performed in Upper Darby, which is like a little suburb right outside of Philadelphia. And we had two more shows, and we're both just like, wow. Like, like Not that we were too tired to do it, but it was just a lot. And this place is uh, like 28, another 27, 2800, two shows. And they were awesome. They were fucking awesome. And I'm not going to lie, I went down there and I saw Upper Darby. Now, if you've never been to Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, uh, congratulations. Okay. I told the crowd, I said, listen, I thought I was coming to Philadelphia. Then they told me Upper Darby. And I mean, I don't know much about Upper Darby other than like I'm never coming back. I told the crowd, take a good look. I'm not, this is fucked up. Like, this is, you know. And um, and right off the bat, and I know that this was like kind of, I don't know. I, there was something was like, I know if, you know, Philadelphia, they could be a little, you know, rowdy, especially with sports. And right off the bat, I just wanted to talk about sports with them. And I, I was having a great time with them. And let me tell you something. This crowd and these people were awesome awesome comedy fans, awesome comedy crowd, had a great time on both shows, joking with them, messing around, fucking with them about Upper Darby, fucking with them about their sports, going into the jokes, they came for the ride with everything, it was so cool meeting people afterwards, and, and you know, watching, you know, Bill work, and we, we just had an amazing time, we were, we were really shot, and we decided, hey, we have a choice after these shows, because now we did these five theater shows, we got in front of almost 12,000 people for the weekend, you know, we were both shot when it was over, I got a three-hour drive ahead of me. Bill's got to hop on an airplane and fly six hours to Los Angeles. What are we going to do? Here's the choices. Do we have a scotch and a, and a cigar, which I, I'll never say no to. I mean, I could, I'll be on my fucking deathbed, and they'll be like, hey, dude, you want to just do a quick pop and smoke a good stoke? And I'll be like, yeah, let's fucking do it. That, I mean, I would have done that. But we kind of like, hey, man, I haven't really drank. I had one and a half drinks in like 14 days. Bill was trying to watch what he was drinking. So the other choice was let's go to downtown Philadelphia and get, go get some famous cheesesteaks all hours of the night. And that's what we decided to do because we were hungry. We wanted to eat. So we went down to... Um, we went down to the we went into the city and we went to both. The argument is Pat's or Geno's is the big argument. So we went to both. We went to Pat's first. We got one, and we got a line. We went to Geno's. We got one. We got French fries. We got a soda. I mean, I might as well have swallowed a fucking volleyball at two o'clock in the morning. But I was so excited they were laughing at me. And uh, two comedian friends of mine, uh, shout out to Chris Cotton and uh, Dave Temple, they came out. They're Philadelphia uh, comics who are in New York all the time, and they got tickets to the show. They were hanging out with us afterwards, and we all went down there. And they were just like, look at Verzi, look at the look on Verzi's face right now. I was opening up this cheesesteak, all right, as if I was opening up l like a stack of 
just like like I was opening up twenty thousand dollars, which was just stacks of crispy hundred dollar bills. That's how I opened it up. I was so excited. The heat from the steak and the hot cheese and the onions on this soft Italian bread with the fries next to me. You would have thought I I was I somebody just handed me a sack of cash and I was just counting it was like. I was, and they were just laughing. They go, they said, "You're almost looking at this sandwich like, like in an evil, creepy way." It was, it was unbelievable. I did, I, it was so good, and we're eating it, and we're laughing, and we're having a good time. And I lost a bet to Bill on who was going to pay for the first one. Um, I actually should have paid for both, but I only had checks and credit cards on me after I paid for the first one. But the um, the bet that we had was I, I said that Eddie Murphy was on Saturday Night Live at 18. And Bill goes, no, he got cast at 19. And I go, no, no, 18. And the reason I said 18 was because he did a monologue once where he's like, look, kids, you could drop out of school at 18. Look at me. I'm here on NBC. So I always associated that with him being 18 years old. He was actually 19. And what he was saying was he he fucking quit school at 18. But that didn't mean he got cast on SNL at 18. It was 19. So Bill wins the bet. And, and I ended up, I bought the first one. But I owe him another one. So... We're sitting in Philadelphia. We ended up eating these things until 2 o'clock in the morning. Went back to the hotel, went to sleep, woke up, came home, and uh, got to see my family and had a great party with my family and my loved ones today. So that was the weekend, and it was just, I got in front of just shy of 12,000 people this weekend. And um, it was the probably actually you know I'll say this this weekend was a great was the greatest of my careers just as far as you know growth and, and and what was going on and everything and to have family and friends there and see it was incredible so thank you thank you thank you everybody I I mean this and it's uh, you know I, I I don't even know what to say other than I'm just going to keep writing and getting better and I hope you fucking people buy my first album that's all I could say just uh you know I'm gonna work on it I got a show tonight on my birthday down at the stand but I'll get into that with the plugs so anyway it it is my birthday and my wife was great she made some chicken cutlets for me I love the chicken cutlets with lemon that's my shit so I got the chicken cutlets with lemon you know, we had some some nice. It was it was great. We had a little bit of this um, like Italian liqueur for dessert. You know, while we, you know, I didn't drink a lot. I'm not gonna lie. I had a little wine with dinner. The fuck is my birthday? You know, I'm running around. I'm I'm, I'm traveling. I'm in D.C. I'm in New York. I'm in Philly. The night before, I'm in fucking Jersey. I mean, give me a break, people. I can't have a glass of wine with my chicken cutlets. Don't judge me. So. That was uh, that was it, and then um, I'm thinking about birthdays, and that's what I want to talk about now. You know, I remember people saying, "Oh, it's just a birthday. I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore." And I never thought I would get like that, but now I'm just I am. I'm like, ah, you know, it's another day. You have a, you know, you have a good day. The but the best part about the birthday is just being with family. You know, getting a cake, having your family sing to you, and and everybody being there. And it, it's that that's what it, you know, that's what it's all about. And especially when you travel and you don't get to see them. And then, you you know, my 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 children were with me, which was amazing uh, today, having a blast with my kids. And my kids are just, you know, so funny. 
and you know just my but you know kids have no idea about tired so like you come home from the road and they just think and my son's like, let's do this. Like, he's just busting out games and busting out all kinds of shit. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, daddy's just going to sit down for five minutes and watch the... And my mother-in-law was cool. My mother-in-law was over, and she, like, looked at my face and knew that I was tired. So she's like, you know, do you want... Is it okay if I just kind of distract him for a while so you could relax? And, you know, if I ever had a look of fuck yeah on my face... In my life, it was today. I was like, yeah, if you don't mind. And I, and, and then, but I, I had to make sure, I made sure I wanted to be with my kids and play with my kids first. Because I don't want to be that dick who just comes home and was like, all right, daddy's got to do something. So I definitely played with them and had a good time. But I just needed that, fuck, I needed that time to just sit and, and do nothing. And I did. And it was everything you would hope that it, fucking sitting down and doing nothing would be. And... You know, so as far as birthdays, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Like, it's going to it's gonna happen. If worrying about your birthday would make you not have it, I'd be a nervous wreck. But it, it, shit's coming. You know, when, one day you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be 75 and go, oh, what the fuck happened? So until then, just enjoy Just enjoy the shit, I guess. You know, some people get, I never understood, some people get like crazy upset on their birthdays. They're like, oh my God, this is, you know, you ever, like people get really moody, they get upset on their birthdays. Then you get people who are like really happy and want to celebrate their birthday for a week because they think they're that important and they think that the day they were born should be this big deal, but and they don't know in the back of their head that nobody really truly does give a fuck that it's their birthday. I don't like both ends of that spectrum. I don't like the people that think the world should stop and just pay attention to them for, you know, 13 days or or the people that are just like, ah, it's just a birthday, the whole just upset and, you know, whatever. It's just a stupid day. Let's, let's forget it. Like, I don't like that. Just how about this? Yeah, it's my birthday. Let's have a good time. And then, you know what, in a day it'll be over. That's it. That's the way that I look at it. But the chicken cutlets didn't make it a good day. And here's the best part about eating the cheesesteaks last night late. I thought I was going to pay for it. I thought my stomach was going to be a mess. I thought I wasn't going to be able to have a good sleep. I don't know what happened. I had one and a half cheesesteaks because we split the one from Pat's. And then we had one each from Gino's. And I had fries and the cherry soda. Now the cherry soda and eating all the fries fucked me up for like 20 minutes. Because it was just my body. My body was like, what? If my body like could look at me and be outside myself looking at me, it would have just had its hands on its hips with its head tilted looking at me going, really, asshole, you just you, you have not been drinking and you just did that, putting loaf of bread and steak and cheese in your face, you asshole. But I, I, I don't know. I went to bed. It was great. Maybe because I was just hungry and, you know, I didn't have two full ones. Jason Law had screwed me up too because Jason Law had taught me that catch not only ketchup is great on French fries, but so is mustard. Have you ever had ketchup and mustard on French fries? Pretty damn good. Pretty good. So I go back and I lay down and there was a part of me that was like, should I drive home right now from Philly? And I was like, no. So I got here and then we had the birthday dinner with the chicken cutlets and the chicken cutlets were awesome and I, my stomach feels good. What you know? It's maybe a higher power or God was like, "Listen, it's your birthday. I'm not gonna make you, you know, shit your brains out on your birthday. So we're gonna just let this digest normally. You're gonna be okay." Um, but um, now I was talking about Twitter before. 
I was talking about nice messages that, that were coming from the weekend and everything. And, you know, that's going to happen when you get in front of that many people. And that was great. But unacceptable for the week are these few Twitter assholes who don't, who don't get it. And, and that's the one, the one negative thing. I was talking about this in the green room last night in Philadelphia. The one thing that this business has showed me that I don't like, when you start growing in the business and you start getting fans and you start getting more Twitter followers and messages and people knowing about you and you know saying stuff about you, that small percentage of assholes, because you're always going to get that. It's, it's, it's like when you go to high school, you know, you hang out with the cool kids, but there's always a couple of dicks that you like, you can't avoid. And it's just who they are. They're going to be dicks. There's always the small people like you could be in a, you know, it's like the one heckler in the crowd or the two hecklers who get drunk and just don't get it. But that's the same thing on Twitter. They try to give advice or they try to say, hey, man, just so you know this, just so you know that. And it's fucking annoying. It really is. And it's unacceptable. So. What I do is I say things on Twitter that I feel or I talk about a show and sometimes somebody just wants to be like a dick. So I don't know. And a couple of these people I don't even know, but everybody was amazing and nice. And then a couple of people are just like, um, like they'll try to make a stupid joke or they'll try to say something like, well, uh, you know, I wouldn't be so happy about this or, you know, why are you retweeting that? And it's like, fuck you, okay? Don't hate on shit. Don't hate on shit because you're either you're, you're either uh, just some some, some hating dickhead. Or, then unfollow me. If that's the way, just unfollow me. I don't care. You know, but it's unacceptable to have all kinds of positive shit and then the one, two people, and you know why they do it? And this is what's unacceptable. They do it because they want... They, they, maybe they want to get like a rise out of you or they want you to go at them or they want you to say something and what what, to say, you know, I don't know. It's just unacceptable to me. Assholes, the one or two assholes who need to be different on Twitter when there's a common, you know, trend going on or something that's the one person that needs to be different in order to like either try to be funny because you're a comedian. They want to be funny. Shut up. It's unacceptable. Either go along with the trend, say something clever and funny and cool. But if you're going to say something that's just not cool, just to be different unacceptable you're an asshole okay nobody cares do you understand that nobody cares about your stupid thing and it's always some fat asshole who's like holding a chainsaw with his hat backwards and he's got that stupid look on his face like he's you know yelling i just forget realized that i'm yelling on my on my the 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 cover of my website so now i feel like a dick but at least i'm not holding anything and i'm a comedian i'm talking about these assholes on twitter who just try to be different and a dick cuz they think that little dicky thing is funny look look what i did you're an asshole you're a fat asshole nobody cares unfollow me then unacceptable i i really don't like i really don't like contrarians i don't like that I don't like people that have to go against the grain just because they're going against it. It's a go against it if you really are like that. And you can tell in their stupid, just unintelligent, just stupid tweets that, that that's not the case. That that they're, you know, clever or that they're, you know, they're different. Oh, man, check this out. He's going to like this. Watch this. I'm gonna. It, it's not. It's you being an asshole. And I went right back. I went right back at it. Fuck you, man.
I noticed that there's always going to be somebody. There's always going to be somebody who, who talks about you somewhere, somewhere, and and you can't change it. And I understand that, but it still doesn't mean it's not. It still doesn't mean it's acceptable, and that's why it's unacceptable on on episode one thirty five. Being that different asshole contrarian and trying to say something when when everything is positive and nice and you just have to be different, I just I it's annoying to me. It's a, it's an it's an annoying bullshit thing that somebody just you know. Some people deserve unhappiness, and those are the people that do. I hope all of those people that do that. I really hope that they're unhappy and they're in a trailer park somewhere. In like South Jersey or somewhere in Pennsylvania where no one is or they're in a trailer in Oklahoma and they're fat and they don't have good teeth, you know, and they don't have money to afford a dentist. And and I hope that they're, you know, that, that, that their modem always slows down. So when they're trying to do those things, it freezes up on them because they're unacceptable assholes. How about that? Fuck you and your dial up, you fat, you fat fucking net baseball hat net having snap back asshole I don't even know if any of that made sense but you know those hats where like it's like soft in the front and then it's weird in the back it's like a fisherman hat that says like bass on it or like I drink beer like the one we got in Texas I can't stand those people the fuck out of here and this is only like one or two people I just don't like and I go back at them if somebody goes back at you like that. Hey, no, and, and this wasn't what was said, but like th- this is the example I'll give. Like, uh, yeah, man, great set. Like, you're really funny, but I don't know if I would have wore that sweater. I don't know if I would have wore that sweater. Or, uh, hey, nice set, but uh, it's funny because I had a sweater on last night that I was getting my balls busted about, so I'm using that as an example. But, yeah, I don't know, though, uh, about that one thing w- with your shoes, you know, you're lucky it weren't in so-and-so because this would have... Ha, ha, ha. Fucking stupid. One guy said something to me on Twitter that... I got to read this. One guy said something... Because I do something that, you know, I like to... I like to, when, when fans of mine tweet something, I like to retweet the positive stuff. I like to retweet, hey man, that's sad, I love that joke, I'm going to check you out. That's something that a lot of, you know, a lot of comedians do. That's something that a lot of artists do. But the reason I do it is because I'm showing them the appreciation that they're showing me. So... You know, if you're going to say, hey, man, great set. I love that bit. I'm going to check you out, man. Keep up the great work and hope to see you here. I'm going to retweet that because I'm showing them, hey, man, I, I want to show you the respect that I'm retweeting your shit on my Twitter because I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, you had a great time. So I did that. And one guy said to me on Twitter, hey, bro, f- no, friendly advice, bro. People don't like when you retweet compliments. And I wrote back, hey, Friendly advice. Don't give a fuck what people like. <laughs> that one didn't like piss me. I mean, that one kind of bothered me, but it's it's that's the shit. Unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I don't care about your negative. Do you understand that? 
And, well, you know, what do you mean you don't care? You're talking about it on your podcast for so long. I'm talking about my podcast for so long because if you're an asshole who hopefully I don't even have listeners that are assholes like that, but I want to just discipline you and I want to punish you and let you know that it's fucking not acceptable. And if you do it again, I'll go harder at you. Stop it, you fat beer drinking cocksuckers. Ah, I got my cat up here. So anyway, that's unacceptable for the week. And... um what else do we got? We got Thanksgiving coming up. Thanksgiving dinner. I'm excited. I'm going to be making macaroni and cheese. I'm going to be doing some extra shit that people don't do. I'm not going traditional. You can't go to tra- traditional route all the time. People are like, oh, no, you got you just got to go stuffing. You gotta no, I'm not doing that. I'm doing other shit. We're going to have some great shit here. I have a catfish flapping around the fucking table. I'm angry at Twitter people. I don't know why. It's bothering me. It bot I don't know what it is, but the small percentage of dickheads in this country bother me. They really in the world. They really really do. Now, I can take criticism. I'm going back to this thing. I'm sorry. I can take criticism. Hey, man, yeah, I didn't like that joke, wasn't original. Hey, you know, I don't think that was funny. And nobody's doing that, but I can take that. That's fine. I'm sure actors, yeah, I didn't like that movie. I thought the storyline sucked. The acting was mediocre. You can take that. That's somebody's opinion. But when you're just that asshole for no reason, you know those people that, like, there can be an album that sells 40 million copies, There can be an album that's just the greatest song. There can be a song that's just undeniably incredible. Just an undeniable, amazing song. Everybody loves it. Everybody sings along to it. And and it's, it's, it's just a great song, no matter where you are, no matter who you are. I'll give an example of a hip hop song, okay, that I think is is right right in the wheelhouse of what I'm talking about right now. I'll say that um, Biggie, Biggie, Notorious B.I.G. song, Juicy, okay? Um, it's amazing. Right from when he says it was all a dream, I used to read Word Up magazine until the fucking end of, till the last fuck, till the last, it's that song is, that, that, that that's amazing. It's an amazing amazing hip-hop track that record is timeless it's brilliantly put together the beat biggie's voice the introduction to one of the greatest rappers if not the greatest rapper of all time it's amazing and the people who go i don't know about you like juicy's all right but i mean come on you know he's he's he's, he sampled some other music and then he's just talking about being i mean it's fuck like those are the people those are the people People that hate on the movie Gladiator. It's just a bunch of swords and gore. and sh- like Those are the people who should be thrown into a cage and dropped in the Pacific Ocean. I don't understand why Hitler went after Jews. Hitler should have went after haters. If all those millions of people were just like, oh my God, how could he do that? 
how could he kill all these millions of people? These are these are innocent people. And you're like, yeah, but they didn't, you know, they didn't like Juicy, and they fucking thought that like they thought sweaters sucked in the in the winter. Like those, I'd be like, ah, all right. I mean, listen, he shouldn't have killed him, maybe, but I mean, fucking Juicy and sweaters. That's what I'm saying. Those are the people that are unacceptable. And I wonder why that is. I wonder if they were beaten. I wonder if they're just not happy. I I wonder why people have to do that. I wonder why the hater has to exist. And you guys would think I'm really unbelievably competitive and crazy for having this happen like only like one or two people out of like hundreds. But it's still, I just want to know why. I don't understand those people. It's the bully. It's the person that needs to be needs to be smacked in the mouth. Ma- I'm gonna smack you in the mouth. It's a uh, Talladega Nights reference. But I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just. I, I don't know if it's because maybe I'm 35 and I'm getting older. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, everybody. But it, the the more I, you know, the more I get in front of the masses, the more those people. Like I got on stage the other night, and this guy was just acting like this studious dick, with like these, you know, these glasses that like tried to look classy, and he had his arms, uh, he had one arm on one chair and another arm on another chair sprawled out, and he was just looking and judging. And I go, look at this cocksucker! Right away, I go, look at this cocksucker judging, looking like he's studious, you know, with his glasses. His glasses don't mean shit to me. Neither does his sweater or his posture or whole demeanor right now, acting like he's better. Like fuck that, fuck that guy. I just, I don't, I, you know, I'm, uh, maybe I'm tired and run down and I'm just, but anyway, let's get back to the podcast. That was the longest unacceptable ever. Some of you guys are like, okay, Paul, we, you know, go ahead. Another, you guys are like, no, keep getting, <laughs> keep getting angry. Those are the people I hope are listening this week. I hope the people that are listening this week are the people that are just like, just go, whatever, we're listening. Uh, but uh, anyway, Thanksgiving dinner, I'm doing some cool stuff. I'm going to do all the traditional stuff, but then I want to do some really cool stuff. And I don't know. I may be, may be betting on football. Do you guys bet on football on Thanksgiving? I haven't bet on football in a long time, but maybe I got to say that low because my wife would be, I, I, I don't know. I probably shouldn't bet on it because you know what will happen. I'll bet on both football games on Thanksgiving and win, and then I'll try to carry the money over to the next week, and I'll end up making my winnings turn into like a $200 loss. And there will be problems in the Versey household if that happens. My wife will be like, what happened to this $200? And then I'll be like, don't question my fucking money. And she'll go, what? What do you mean don't question it's our money? And then I'll go, I fucking, I'm a grown man. I could bet on anything I want. And she'll be like, you have children. What are you talking about? Because I know I have children. And we'll get into this huge fight. And then she'll be right. And it it will be bad. So I'm not going to do that. 50 minutes in. This is probably one of the angriest and happiest podcasts (laughs) ever. Coming off this weekend, everybody. 
this is what happens when you are traveling all over the place and you get in front of this many people. All right, let's move this. Let's move this uh, show over to the movies. And guess what? There's none. Do you think I had time to stop at a movie to to see a movie? I did not have time to stop at a movie. What was I going to pull over off a of 95 and say, "Hey, you know what? Let's go see a movie." And I'll run right to the. All right, no movies. Let's get to sports. What did I predict, everybody? I predicted last week that the New York football giants... No, three weeks ago, I did this. Go back and look. Go back to episode 132. I predicted three weeks ago that the New York football giants, my favorite football team, who was 0-6 and shitting the bed and looking like they were going to have one of the, the worst seasons ever, I predicted that they were going to win four out of five games. Did I not? Yes, I did. Check it. And they today won their third straight and their next two games are at home. My prediction is looking mighty good, everybody. I still think the Broncos are going to go to the Super Bowl and lose to the San Francisco 49ers. I'm sticking with that. However, the New York Giants won three in a row. And the Dallas Cowboys got bent over and ass-raped in front of America tonight, like 48-17 to 17, by the New Orleans Saints. So the New Orleans Saints now are five... Are they five and five? Yeah, they're... The, no, the, I'm sorry. The, the Cowboys are five and five going into a bye week. And the Giants play at home next week um, against the Packers who do not have Aaron Rodgers and just lost to the Eagles. The Giants play them at home and could end up being 4-6 and six if they win that game with the Cowboys at 5-5, five and five, which will mean the Giants will be one game back if they win their next one. Dude, I called it. Now, I got a text message today that said, Paul, I hope you're watching... My buddy in San Antonio said, Paul, I hope you're watching the Giants and not the Knicks. I don't know why I buy into the Knicks every year. I try so hard. I think they're going to make a run in the East. The Indiana Pacers are undefeated 7-0 and or whatever, 7-1 and maybe. Maybe they lost one game. And the Knicks are like 2-5. and they, they, got, they got the shit kicked out of them at home. They got fucked up at home against the Spurs. They've lost to the Bobcats. They've lost to the Bulls. Now, the Bulls game, I'll give them, but it's just so bad. I mean, I don't know why I do it. I really don't. The New York Knicks are the drug addict in your family who's been to rehab four or five times. You know, they swear to God this is it. They stopped stealing. They got a good job. They put on a collared shirt. They shaved. They wet their hair. They shaved. <laughs> they they looked like, oh my God, man, this person, like, they just... You know when you see somebody and they have a button collar, they have a shirt, nice collared shirt on, buttoned up. It looks like they just got out of the shower. They're shaved. They have dress pants and nice shoes and they say they're going to a job interview and you're like, holy shit, this guy's got their, this, this person's got their shit together now. They're ready to go. That's what the Knicks are. 
But then instead of going to that job interview, they they run into a buddy on the way to the job interview who says, hey, man, let's go to this bar. My buddy's bartending. And he said that if we give him 10 bucks each, okay, we're going to get shots. We're going to do everything. Okay, he's got a bunch of girls coming down here. Let's go hang out. I got a little bit of weed. And that person goes, all right, fuck it. You know what? I'll start the job interview thing tomorrow. Let's do that. And then they come home and they're puking and the family is crying and they say, fuck you. And then they start stealing again, you know, and then maybe they go off to an aunt's house. Who's going to give that person another chance? They got an aunt, you know, let's say they got an aunt in Vermont and they say, well, you know, Charlie's going up to Vermont and then Charlie goes up to Vermont and, you know, you find out the aunt says, no, no, he's doing good. He's doing good. And you don't hear from him. Like, well, we don't trust him. We want to talk to him. And that's it. She's like, no, he's doing good. You guys give up on him. I'm, I'm going to change him. Then 19 days later, Aunt Anne or Aunt Sarah or whatever her name is calls you up crying. Going, oh, my God. He took the car. He took our car. Okay. Ted is freaking out. Ted's her husband. Ted is freaking out. He just got that car. We, we haven't seen him. In, we haven't seen him in 33 hours. You know, oh my God, I got to call you back. The cops are calling. Like that's, that's what the Knicks do to me. They just, they just, I, I, you just can't trust them. I I can't trust them. And I'm going to end up being Aunt Anne when they go on like a five game winning streak. I'm going to be in Vermont and I'm going to go, no, they got it this time. They're playing good defense. They're playing good defense. And everything, and no, they could beat the Pacers, I'm telling you. They could beat the Pacers. And then they're going to steal Uncle Ted's car, and I'm going to be back to square one. That's the New York Knicks, everybody. That's what they do to me. They are an unrehabilitable, rehab, I don't know how to fuck it. Rehab, whatever, you can't re. They they can't rehab doesn't work for them. I, I'm fucking too I'm too shot to even think about it. I don't know why I care so much. I don't know why the Knicks give me more. I don't know why I care so much about the Knicks. Then you know I should just be happy the Giants won. You know see what happens with the Yankees next season. You know even though I'm not that much into baseball, but the Knicks are this this kid that I just can't get clean. I just can't get this kid clean. So I don't know what to do. Now, if I get tickets to the game, I'll be excited just to go and see. But I know that this drug addict is going to strike again. That's where I stand with the Knicks right now. And the only way I'll think that they're fully rehabilitated. There we go. I figured the only way I'll think that they're they're fully rehabilitated is if... They end up winning like 25 out of their next like 32 games and they're just proving that they're playing defense and doing all that. What's going on? Tyson Chandler broke his leg. Amari Stoudemire all of a sudden looks like a guy who just can't play anymore. You know, we, I don't know. We got this Bargnani guy who's just like this big white doofus. We got, you know, Prigioni who looks like he should be owning a fucking bakery somewhere in Spain. He's good, though. But he's, yeah, I don't know. He, 
he's just <laughs> uh, this is probably the wackiest uh, podcast I've ever done 135 and this is kind of weird I just realized this as I said this but today's my birthday and I'm 35 and this is episode 135 so this is the 35th episode after 100 and I'm 35, and I'm doing it, I did it right at the minute, so maybe the combination of the worlds coming together of my birthday, how tired I am, everything going on is why I'm rambling, but I'm doing it, everybody, I'm committing to it. And there, oh, that, speaking of the podcast and everything in the episode, in all seriousness, there was really cool people at the shows who were like, man, I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time. I really, um, you know, so glad to, to see you in a big venue after hearing your podcast so many times. It was great. So, that, you know, thank you. And you guys know who you are. Some people send me Facebook messages and did all that and uh, gained a, a ton of amazing, um, you know, Twitter followers and fans and all that. So that was cool. And um, I hope you guys listen to the next 135 because the Verzi Effect podcast is not going anywhere. As a matter of fact, we're going to grow and we're going to get bigger. I'm thinking about doing a live one, everybody. How about that? A live Verzi Effect podcast with multiple guests. I want to do, here's what I want to do. I want to do a two-hour Verzi Effect podcast live from the stand, and I want to have five comedians booked on it doing spots on it. That's what I want to do, and I'm going to promote the shit out of it, and I hope people come to it, sit down at the stand. We're going to have a good time. I'm going to try to see if I can get a drink special. I know the owners and my managers right now are listening to this going, what the fuck? He can't have a drink special. What's he talking about? I'm going to see what I could do if I could get like a drink special and, and put together something cool and do a two-hour thing. And I want you guys, this is a cool announcement here, um, I want you guys to tell me who you want the five comedians to be. So we will be able to do that. Like, um, Hopefully... I would like to do that either right before the end of this year or right at the beginning of um, 2014. But I want to have five guys on. They'll sit down. They'll probably do about 15, like 15, 20 minutes each. We'll talk to them. We'll bring up topics. Maybe we'll get the crowd involved a little bit. We'll have some drink specials afterwards. We'll have a little after party upstairs in the restaurant part of the stand. Have a good time. Maybe we'll hand out some um, TVE stickers for the diehards or, or whatever because, you know, I'm a big spender. So I think maybe I, the, the st- <laughs> you guys going to come to the stand for your sticker? Do something. But we're, I'm going to try to figure that out. So please get me on Twitter. Get me on Facebook. Message me. Let me know who you would like to see. I am me and all that stuff. But um, I, I think that that would be awesome. I had something happen that really bothered me. Uh, I'll talk about it now. This will be a long one. It's my birthday. Um, I was friends with somebody. This happens in the business, okay? And uh, I hope that I hope that everybody can get something from this because uh, it'll happen to you. It can happen to you even if it's not in um, comedy. But when you or when you're at a level or a similar level with somebody and you're moving up 
and they're moving up and then maybe you move up faster or, or they're moving up faster um things build and it's not cool and and uh, I'm not the type where like if I'm with somebody and they're moving up faster I'm happy for them I mean I'm competitive and I want to do what I'm going to do but um, I'm in a situation where because and this happens in any profession where people start to get upset and people start to change and um, I was friends with somebody I'll tell you guys the back so I was friends with somebody when I first started I'm not going to talk about I'm not going to mention names but when I first started comedy at 21 years old doing bringer shows at New York Comedy Club I started with somebody that um, was just in, insanely supportive of me and we uh, we did shows together all the time all over the city and when you saw me you saw him and vice versa and, and it was just great it was amazing and um you know we did an audition one time you know i started to we, we were both doing you know we were both doing uh rooms in the same circuit and stuff and um when I would do something, I just started to notice that that individual would act different. And they would want to call me and tell me when they did it too. And I just started to get a little weird. And then we did an audition. And when we did the audition, um, you know, I remember having a good set. And that person wasn't happy with their set. And they just started knocking, just not knocking me, but just being this like passive aggressive, you know, weird. And I just saw a difference. And eventually it became a cancer. And I started to realize what was going on. And that person got out of my life. And that was a long time ago. And then um, I became friends with somebody else uh, in the business that was doing it longer than me and had a lot more experience. And, um, you know, this was somebody that, you know, I, you know, this is somebody that I bonded with and this is somebody that was, was, was great and, and I, and I worked with them and, you know, I, I even opened for them a couple of times and, you know, it was, it was a cool relationship. We did a, we did a project together and everything was cool, and nothing had changed, and, you know, time went on, and I wasn't, you know, opening that much anymore for, for people, you know, the only people that I really open for are people, you know, like, when I open for somebody, it's kind of a, a really, you know, a bigger name, and I'm not saying that being arrogant, that's just, you know, what's happening, I'll open, you know, I'm trying to headline myself, and, you know, work clubs all over the country myself, but, you know, I'll obviously, if I'm going to open for somebody, I want to open for somebody that's, you know, bigger in the business I mean that that's how it goes when you move up you know you move up you don't move backwards and this person out of nowhere just sent me a, a message that was nasty and this has nothing to do with that Twitter thing I was talking about although this is really unacceptable too but this person sent me a message that was nasty and sent me this this bullshit and I was trying to figure you know and it was just this bitter nasty jealous out of nowhere okay this person was a friend of my family and me this person you know this person used to say this person i used to say i love you when we got off the phone that's what this person was this person you know knew my wife this fucking person was a good friend of mine and out of nowhere nothing happened Except just distance through life and the business, but still like it was a type of person where if I saw I would hug. Like up until this message, if I saw I would hug, hey, how you doing? Have you know, have a great time, some laughs, and just sent me a nasty fucking message. And it was when things started going well, and I was like, you know, man, there's an ugly side to this shit. And it, and and I almost and I don't even have like animosity or hatred. I'm not even upset. I'm just more saddened by it. 
You know, I just feel like, how can you do that? Like, what? Well, I've never done anything. I've never done anything to this person. I've never been, I've never done anything wrong. And I'm not even, I'm not going to go and be like, oh man, this is bullshit. How can you say that? I don't even want to do that. I just want to be like, I want to be like, yo, what, dude, what, like, yo, what the fuck? Like, why? Like, I would, I, like, you know, like, I would work with you again. I would do, like, I mean, not now, of course, but I just, I don't understand. And then I realize what's going on. Okay, you know, maybe you're, it's just, you know, some people can't handle other people doing good, but I, when it's really a friend, and I don't know if anybody's had that happen, but it was, it's really kind of bothered me. And now I have a dilemma. What do I do? Do I con- do I do I contact this person and say, hey, you know, you know, what the fuck? Do, you know, people are telling me, people close to me are saying, ignore it, don't even worry about it. But like this, and 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 that's, I guess that makes sense. That's the thing. That's the normal thing to do. But this isn't. This is more of like, I want to know why. Like, what happened? I really do. Like, I I really don't understand because I would be totally in a situation where. And this was only when, when good things were happening with me. This was only when I was working really hard and things were going well. And, and I can't, I can't, believe, I just, I'm so, I'm, I'm literally, and, I, and I'm not joking around. And I know people use the word shocked a lot. And oh my God, I was shocked. I was appalled. But I'm genuinely, I was genuinely shocked when my wife saw it. She was genuinely like, wow. And I just don't even know. Like, I don't want to be like, hey man, fuck you. You know, like, I like this person. I, I really wanted to know, like, wh- I, there's a part of me that even though people are saying don't do it, I, I'm thinking about it, and this is my thought, and maybe I'm wrong. And let me know. Message me, tweet me, whatever. But tell me if I'm wrong. But my, my thing is to just reach out and go, hey, man, like, I never did anything. Like, I almost want to call out the lunacy of this. I want to say something along the lines of there's no reason for this nothing happened you know I never said anything one time as a matter of fact the last conversation I had with this individual was like great we laughed great time oh nice to talk to you I hope everything yeah man maybe let's maybe we'll run into each other and work together again and then out of nowhere it was just like man fuck you and I, I just I'm I'm I just don't even know and some people think, oh, the bigger thing is to not say anything. But you know what? Sometimes when it's like a friend and you're like, maybe like the person's going through something. I don't know if that's me being too nice or me being naive or me just saying, hey, you maybe you're dealing with somebody that's not. But I, I just, it's really like, what? And it, And it makes you feel like, you know. When you know something shouldn't be happening, it makes you feel like maybe I could correct this. Maybe I can, you know, maybe, but when you know there's, there's nothing you, you did wrong, it's like, how can you correct it? Because it is just straight up out of nowhere and crazy. So if it's straight up out of nowhere and crazy, is it correctable? I don't know if it is. But it's definitely troublesome and it's definitely something that I think in my mind is is so bizarre it, it was almost so bizarre that I was like, is this somebody else like hacking into this individual's thing? Like, how can this be real? So, you know, that's something that I'm dealing with right now and I got I to really figure it out. I don't, I just, you know, 
I mean, at the end of the day, I got a family, I got a career, and I have shit that I need to do, and I'm not going to worry about it. I mean, I'm obviously, you know, I'm I'm not going to lose sleep about it, but I'm. It, it is something that when I do think about it, I'm like, what? And you never know what's going on with somebody, you know. And please don't message me and go, you know, who is it? I don't think you guys know. You guys, you know, don't know who it is anyway. But it's it's just a situation that's um, bizarre, you know, uh, sad, upsetting, shocking, and uh, it came out of nowhere. And what's really sad is I almost feel like if I was doing shitty and bad, this person would be like amazing to me and, and you know, and in my corner. And I understand this business can be really crazy and can be really, um, you know, there's a, there's a thin line between jealousy, envy, and, 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 and also being competitive. See, I'm competitive at nature. So I'm I'm just a type like if I see something that I know I can do, I'm like, man, I got to do that. I want to do that. I could do that. Like... And, you know, but I would never, could you imagine seeing somebody doing something or just, you know, somebody that you had a, you, it was a friend. <laughs> Think about how crazy this is. Like, let's say you had a friend and you didn't talk to them for a while. And they just like, you know, something, you know, they, they, you found out that they were just, I don't know what they got promoted. Let's say they got promoted and they got more money or they, they you know, they're just everything that they wanted in their career was, was going well. And I'll say, Oh, you found out they got the promotion, but you haven't seen them in like, let's say you talked on the phone a couple of times, but you haven't seen them in like, let's say like, you know, six months to a year. And you talked a couple of times and you found out they got promotion. Could you imagine just being like, you know, something, fuck you. You, you know, you did that. You, you should, whatever. You're, you're just like, I just couldn't believe what I, like, what, it was just this, and it was, like, bizarre negative shit, like, oh, fuck you, you, you like, I, I don't know, it was almost like, fuck you, I'm tired of you doing good, you fuck it, like, it was almost something like that, or, you you know, you, you chasing your dream, and, and things going in the right direction, fuck that, it, it was like that, And you could tell I liked the person, or you could tell that I had a good relationship with the person, because I'm not sitting here freaking out, going, oh, this is unacceptable, you know. If you're a fat asshole on Twitter, you're, you're unacceptable. If you're a fat asshole on, uh, and I just assume you're fat. I, I have a few, I just, I just have this thing that, like, people who are assholes have a weight problem. I know that that's the craziest thing in the world, but I feel like somebody who's, <laughs> I feel like somebody who's thin and in shape is happier, and they don't do that. And I just feel like somebody's crying, eating a donut or a Twinkie, and they're just like, fuck this, I'm going to say something to this guy because my neck is big. That's that's what, what I think. I'm not talking about that here. I'm talking about somebody that was a friend. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to reach out, and this is what I'm going to say. I think I'm going to reach out, and I'm going to say something along the lines of, hey, like, I don't know what happened or what's going on here, but I, I, I just was really bothered by it I was shocked I have no idea and if that's how you really feel then I, I guess you know I, I guess you were never a friend because I mean why wouldn't you call me up and just say hey man what's going on I feel like this is going on or but but see that's the thing that he can't even say that he can't even call me up and say hey I feel like something's going on because nothing was going on So it, it, it's not even, this is not a rational conversation. This is not, like, I don't know if the person, like, this person could be on drugs. This is just, I mean, I doubt the person's on drugs, but this is not even a rational thing. 
Or do I say, you know what, you're out of your fucking mind. Lose my number. Don't talk to me anymore. I fucking, I, I don't want, you know. Or do I ignore it? Nah, I don't think I could do that because, like, you know, what am I going to, I don't want to get another random message that just makes me go, what? I'm not doing that. Has that happened to you? Has anybody dealt with that? Has anybody, you know, been sitting there and just out of nowhere that happens and you're like, you know, how is is this even reasonable? How is this possible to happen? So that's one thing that I'm dealing with. And it's not even, I'm not even dealing with it. I'm just baffled by it. I really am. I'm baffled by it. This life, the one thing about this life is people will always surprise you or when you think that you kind of figured things out and you figured people's personalities out or you're able to read something or you're being perceptive about something and then that happens and, and you're just like you know what I, I give up and and you know what it all comes back to family and people that you know and people that you love and people that you trust and other people and outsiders and people that like are hit and miss or there when things are good and, and, and not there when things are bad that's you know that that's when you really find out And I'll get even deeper on my birthday on episode uh, 135 here, the Verzi Effect Podcast with your host, me, Paul Verzi, on this early, early, early Veterans Day, November 11th. The beautiful thing about my birthday is I always had off on, 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 my, on school, school days because of Veterans Day. And a shout out to any of the Verzi Effect listeners who are, uh, well, shout out to all the veterans, but if you're a Verzi Effector, if you're a Verzi Effect listener and you served our country and you know you're a veteran man uh, that's even that's the coolest thing and that truly is I'm not even trying to be corny or cliche because I say this on stage I think the two superheroes in this world are um, soldiers and parents I really do you know fuck Spider-Man Spider-Man's a dick Spider-Man doesn't know shit Batman you kidding me he's got no kids all you had to do to Batman like I said drop a couple of toddlers on his front step the Joker would have taken over Gotham City. He would have been exhausted. He would have had to take him to like Legoland and shit. You know, fucking Two-Face would have been running around stealing jewels everywhere and Batman would be at fucking Chuck E. Cheese. The place would be going to hell. And, and soldiers are the reason why, you know, we're able to do shit. So those are those are the heroes to me. So if you're listening and you're a veteran, um, thank you for everything. But... You know, it, it comes down to because I, I used to think things like, ah, man, you know what, you you came into this world alone, you're leaving alone, and that all that stupid, you know, macho shit. But at the end of the day, the reality is, it all comes down to family, man. Who you got in your life, who you love, who matters, who you're going to when you're down, who's there for you when you're down, who are you gonna be for when they're down? That's what matters. Not Twitter followers, not fucking, you know, not 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 jealous, bitter friends, not people who you you know you think like you not not people who who you know are there when the sun is shining, but they disappear when it's raining. None of those people, man. It's family. That's it. And it, and it comes across as corny and cliche and shit you heard all the time. But no, man, that's what it's that's what it's about. That's what it comes down to. And, you know, I look at life like there's no reason for that because we're all going to fucking die and do shit fun and, and be around the people you want to be around with, not some fucking asshole in Connecticut 
I don't even know why I said Connecticut. <laughs> That's the first thing that popped into my mind. Am I making sense? I'm going to listen back to this podcast and see if I'm making any kind of sense, but I just wanted to talk. This was a talk. This was a talking one. You know, this is a... This is just one that I just, you know, I want it to be really brutally fucking real and honest and tell you guys what's going on. So, I'm going to get into plugs and leave it at that. Come and see me perform today, my birthday. I'm doing a birthday show at Stand Up at the Stand in New York City. I'll be headlining Empire Casino in Yonkers November 13th. Uh, What else? Uh, well, you know what, my, the Verzi, uh, com website has a ton of dates from now all the way up until, um, December, yeah, next month, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'll have more dates coming up in December, but check those out. And again, um, I just want to thank everybody again from the bottom of my heart for the kind words, everything that you guys, you know said to me about this weekend, which was one of the most um, amazing weekends of my life. And as you could tell in my voice, uh, I, you know, it it took a lot out of me and, um, you know, I got a lot of work to do this week, so I need to head to bed now, but I just want to say thank you. Please keep the comments coming and uh, I appreciate the support. I love you guys, man. You guys are uh, the reason I do this every week. And, um, you know, tell your friends to listen. Hopefully I could, you know, say something, you know, even if I say a couple things that they like during the hour that I do this, I, you know, that means the world to me. So, um, you know, keep supporting me. I'll give it to you real every time, every fucking time. I'll give it to you guys real. You know, I was talking to somebody and, you know, about, uh, and I, I almost just said, and then I'll let you go. Like I'm on the phone with you guys, but. I was talking to somebody about um, just how articles can come out wrong on people and people getting, you know, uh, misrepresent, you know, just misrepresented and and what happens. And um, I have this thing in me where I have this Tupac slash Eminem telling people if you do that fuck you publicly in me I want to do that like if if somebody does me wrong I want to go on stage and go yeah fuck that guy yeah, and this is what happened and fuck I have that in me and I realize that that's not good business and that's not smart and I'm smart enough to not do that but you guys this podcast and uh having listeners and supporters and people that know me th- this makes me um able to at least vent it out or be able to rationalize it and you don't know if somebody's going to listen you don't know if 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 the, what you think is therapeutic you don't know if you're going to have you know two people listening to this or not and when you look and you see thousands of people and people from all over the world listening to it you're like holy shit man People like what I'm saying and people are relating. And the greatest compliments that I've ever gotten on this, on the Versi Effect podcast, was people saying, This is the most honest podcast. This is one of the most honest podcasts. You know, I like the Versi Effect because, you know, Paul says what's real and, and does that. And first of all, I don't know, how, how could you not do that? 
Like, how could you just be up here and be goofy? I know I'm a comedian. I know it needs to be, you know, it's supposed to be funny all the time. But you know something? Like, you guys know me. Sometimes this shit is real. Sometimes it's not, I'm not. I don't. I'm not gonna sit. I just fucking told jokes for, you know, over twenty minutes. You know, every night in front of almost twelve thousand people for the past, you know, whatever. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and start I'm I'm just talking to you guys whatever and some people probably, you know, like it and some people don't. But um the 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 comments that I get that mean the most are like when you're like, "Man, this is the, the real deal." You know, this dude is saying what it is and if you and I hope you feel that way. So, and I told you guys and I told people at the shows and I'll tell you again. Um if you message me and want to talk or say something, man, I'll get back to you. Just as long as it's not something stupid. You know, there were people that gave me advice on dogs. You know, I shouted them out. There were people that told me what cigars to smoke. By the way, I did have a cigar tonight, which was incredible. But I I can, you know, I, I want to talk to you guys. Because I, I actually think after hearing the people that have um, listened to this and people that have contacted me about listening to this i truly think that i have the best i have the best podcast listeners i really i really i really do believe that because i've talked to people who go yeah listen to that, that podcast man uh, you know this guy's podcast and that guy and like some of the stuff they're listening to is just and i'm not trying to hate on other podcasts but some of it is just not real some of it is just nonsense and i feel like um of course you're gonna feel like the shit you're doing is good because it's real and honest and you feel like the people that listen to that are the same way and that's who I want listening. So so again, thank you. I will stop rambling now. I appreciate you. I love you guys. This is the Verzi Effect Podcast, episode 135. Uh, until next time, I'm out of here.